It's good to be with you. My name is Pastor Jonathan. If I haven't met you, uh, I hope to, to meet you sometime in the near future. Uh, I'm the pastor of Biblical Community, uh, which is groups and care. Uh, if you're interested or want to become a part of a group, uh, come see me, send me an email, contact me. I'd, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, we've been talking about wisdom. Uh, I recently came uh, across several uh, survival tips from parents to their children as they left home to be on their own. And so here's some parental wisdom for you today. Uh, when someone says that what he's about to say is for your own good, expect the worst. Here's another one. Uh, the value of a dog is that it's a constant reminder of how fun it is to be idiotic. <laughs> you get that picture of that dog in your mind, right? Uh, if you're lavishly praised, enjoy the taste but don't swallow it whole. Uh, good wisdom. Your children may leave home, but their stuff stays with you forever in the basement. <laughs> if someone says, I know what I mean, but I can't put it into words, they probably really don't know what they mean. <laughs> and then one that's true in our house, two people can't operate a TV remote in the same room at the same time. True? <laughs> Finally, someone said this, Dreams get you started, but action, consistency, and discipline are what keep you going. Well, I don't know about you today, but <clears throat> I love consistency. <laughs> and I, I would venture the guess that we all love some kind of consistency in, in our lives. I, I once had a car that uh, once you would get to where you're going and you put it in park, you couldn't get the keys out of the ignition. And so sometimes it would take up to 20 minutes of me starting and stopping the car, putting it in park, drive, back to park, and, and finally get it out. It was inconsistent. It drove me nuts. Uh, I remember being in Bangui, the capital city of uh, Central African Republic, and, and they'd have these rolling blackouts. You never knew when the electricity was going to go out, so you always carried a flashlight or a candle or something wherever you went. Uh, you couldn't rely on the fact that you'd have electricity when you needed it. The, the power was inconsistent, it was unreliable. And as I was thinking about just inconsistency, I, I started thinking about, well, currently, uh, we have a blender that doesn't always work. <laughs> we have a chainsaw that doesn't always start and a leaf blower that sometimes quits. I don't like inconsistency. Um, you think about it, would you recommend a, a restaurant where the meals are good half the time? Would you buy a car that starts 75% of the time? Consistency helps to build trust and confidence. But it's not enough just to be consistent because I can be consistently wrong as well. We've been talking about wisdom that walks with God through difficult times where, where life becomes less of me and more of Jesus. That's wisdom. But I believe that, it, that it's wisdom that's only effective as it's consistent. James first asks, who is wise among you? And every time I hear that, it reminds me of Charlie Brown when he cries out, doesn't anyone know what Christmas is all about? And I picture James the same way. Is there anyone here who is wise? You know, he's not talking about your winning streak at Trivial Pursuit or your proficiency at Jeopardy or your straight A's during grade school. No, wisdom is a lifestyle. 
Wisdom doesn't mean we understand everything that's going on because of some superior or mysterious knowledge. Wisdom is doing the right things in the right way at the right time as life comes at us. Another way of saying this is what Dan has said, the one who's wise is the one who walks with God and loves what he loves. Describe someone who's focused on, on where God is leading and responds in the way that God first responded to them. Because God has been merciful to us, we wisely practice mercy toward others. We're to ride the rail of God's character wherever we go. James warns us that there are some who claim to be wise, but they live foolishly. They're consistent in the wrong things. They're consistent in in worldly thinking, consistent in, in envy and selfish ambition and pride. Instead, a person who's wise is someone who's consistent in walking with God. It it looks different. There's no hidden motives. There's no conspiracies. It's up front, nothing to hide. It's pure. It loves peace. It prefers others. It it listens for understanding. I, I love the word picture Dan gave us last week. It's bloated with mercy. In other words, full of mercy, which shows up in good fruit. So today I want to spend some time looking at at the kind of consistency that that God desires in our lives and and maybe some of the ways that we get off the rail wisdom. You see, when our values, our beliefs, and our values line up with our words and our actions, and they align themselves together and they're consistent, what do we get? We get integrity. You see, here's the point. True wisdom aligns our inward character with our outward responses. You see, he, he, had his, uh, he had his own faults, but ultimately was described as a man after God's own heart. And I love this description in Psalm 72, 78, where it says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. That's his character. It's a description of the inner consistency developed by habits that that he developed by walking with God and and knowing God. And he continues, "And, and with skillful hands he led them. He had an undivided heart for God, which was matched with his ability to love and lead people well. That's wisdom. This kind of person is wise because they make decisions and they live life based on true convictions and beliefs that reflect God's heart. They don't live their lives based on on how they feel at the moment or what happens to be going on. This is a person you can trust because their words and actions follow the rail of their true beliefs about God. Which, by the way, in in two weeks, we're we're starting a new series where we'll be talking about a right understanding of God, a right understanding of faith compared to what we sometimes think what we know. (laughs) So stay tuned for culture cliches and and the story of God coming up. But what happens when when our beliefs and actions are consistent, but our words aren't? True wisdom speaks from the overflow of its true beliefs. Jesus said, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
And again, James repeats the truths of his brother Jesus when he addresses inconsistency in our words when he says in James 3, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. I have a pastor friend, he told a story one time. He was driving behind a a car and the car had a bumper sticker that said, honk if you love Jesus. Well, they stopped at a a light, so he thought, well, I'm going to respond. So he gave a little friendly little honk, you know, the beep beep and a wave. Sticking her head out of the window, the the driver screamed back, can't you see the lights red, stupid? (laughs) Clearly there was an inconsistency. A false wisdom is one in which we act on our beliefs, but our words are dishonest and inconsistent. Example from the Bible is the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. They presented a, a gift of money from the sale of some property as though they were giving the whole thing to the church, 100% to the church. Look what we're doing. But in reality, they they kept some of it back for themselves and they tried to fool God in the process. Their their words were in conflict with their actions and their beliefs, and they both suffer the consequences for their dishonesty. But consider when we speak boldly of our beliefs, but we don't follow it up with action. Our actions don't match our declarations. See, true wisdom lives out of what we know to be true about God. In this case, I think about Peter who who confesses his commitment to Jesus the night of Jesus' arrest. And it says, Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same. And it's a powerful moment. It's his words are powerful, powerful, matching the, the commitment and devotion in his heart for Jesus. And yet just a few verses later, before a couple servant girls and strangers who connect him with being with Jesus, it says he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. You see, this moment expressed a gap between Peter's proclaimed values and his practice values. Values. Peter's actions became disconnected to his beliefs and words because he became driven by fear. I've heard this called practical atheism, and it's something I think we all suffer from at different times. Because we say we believe one thing about God, but sometimes when the tough time comes, we react without wisdom. We react with inconsistency, and and we let fear and doubt overrule what we know to be true about God what we believe. Well, another inconsistency, one which Jesus continually addressed in his ministry is when we're living over here, but our motives and values driven by our beliefs aren't consistent with what God loves. True wisdom humbly loves God and loves what he loves. See, there's things today I I love simply because my wife Jennifer loves them. (laughs) Because I love her, I love the things that make her happy. The word humbly in in this point is very intentional and, and, and important. In other words, 
It's not about me. It's less of me and more of Jesus, or maybe even it's less of me and only Jesus. You see, outwardly, a group called the Pharisees appeared consistent to the, <clears throat> to the kind of life God would want, but their values and their beliefs didn't reflect the heart of God. They promoted the, the outward but neglected the inward devotion to God and a love and compassion for people. Their lives were inconsistent with God's prime directive to love God and love people. To watch and hear a Pharisee, you would assume, wow, they're, <laughs> they're really devout. And they were, but often for the wrong things. Their religious actions were motivated by selfish ambitions, which were lifeless and loveless. They were the, they were the lifeless Christmas trees that Pastor Dan talked about last week. They looked great on the outside because they had decorated their lives with, with religious tinsel and, and pious and, and religious ornaments. But there's no life in the branches. They weren't connected to the source of true spiritual life. Their relationship with God was shallow and dead. Listen to what Jesus said about this, Matthew 23. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. In other words, you're meticulous about, about giving to the Lord, even down to your spices. <laughs> By the way, Jesus doesn't say they were wrong for doing this, but they were majoring on the minors while forgetting to let their lives reflect what God prioritizes. This is what he says, he continues, but, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. You've neglected justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And so they were getting lost in all the minute details and they were missing the bigger picture. And he says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. In other words, it's wise to take care of your heart, to take care of your values, your beliefs and, beliefs and character. You see, they were so focused on what they said and what they did and keeping externally clean, they were forgetting the inner condition of their hearts. Their beliefs and values were missing from their words and actions. And Jesus gives a vivid picture of this. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. You see, tombs in Jesus' day were, could outwardly be very beautiful. They were often whitewashed to make them stand out so that no one would mistakenly uh, touch them and become unclean. So Jesus' point, though, is though, though they may look clean and pristine on the outside, in reality, they're tombs. They're full of dead bones and decaying flesh. I think, man, what a picture. And he concludes, he says, in the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. 
You see, by all appearances, they had all their religious ducks in a row, but their inner world was a tree full of screeching monkeys. <laughs> it's a chaotic mess. God wants our beliefs about him, the things we value, our priorities of loving God and loving people, our, our godly character to align with our actions and our words in a way that points people to Jesus. See, true wisdom loves what God loves. Now, it's interesting because I just spent the last few minutes, what I just spent the last few minutes explaining, James basically sums up in two words. <laughs> James 3.17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, true wisdom is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Wisdom is impartial and sincere. And I want to unpack this a little bit because these words are just so rich in meaning. I, I think these words may also be in response to what James had written earlier in chapter 1. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts, who has a divided loyalty, is like a, like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You see, when we find ourselves in the midst of trials and difficulties and we ask for wisdom, we need to take God at his word. The person of faith and wisdom is the one who, who loves God, loves the Lord as God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength. He trusts God because he's walking with God wholeheartedly. He's not divided in his loyalties. He's not like that squirrel in the middle of the road that, that dashes this way and then changes its mind and, and dashes this way until it becomes a part of the road. <laughs> uh, Ever made up a word? <laughs> I know uh, sometimes when I'm, I can't figure something out, I'll say I'm perpuzzled. <laughs> perpuzzled. It's a word I made up. It, it basically means a combination of perplexed and puzzled. <laughs> Apparently, James does the same thing here when he talks about the double-minded man. It's found nowhere else in literature, and it actually means double-souled. It's a picture of having two souls. And probably the best way to translate it is a, a double-hearted man, a double-souled man is unstable in all of his ways. Basically, James is saying in all of us, there's a conflict, there's this conflicting set of desires. In one sense, we, we really do want the wisdom of God. But at the same time, we, we sort of want our own way. <laughs> we love us and, and we have a wonderful plan for our own lives. And what James is saying is God has no commitment to giving you wisdom so you can just go and do what you want to do anyway. True wisdom isn't focused on what you want. God's wisdom is wisdom committed to walking with God and loving people the way he loves them. There are times when, when you'll live in God's <clears throat> wisdom and you'll submit to the wisdom that, that he's revealed in his word. But there's other times when you have no doubt what is right, but you choose to do what's wrong because it makes you happy in the moment. 
You know it's wrong to speak your, to your children in that way. But it's so much easier to give way to your anger. You know it's wrong to gossip about a friend. But you like the sensation of, of having inside information that no one else has and, and you just can't help yourself. You know you shouldn't look at certain things, but the lust and the desires in your heart convince, convince you, ah, it's okay. Our hearts are easily divided against themselves. And so I think the two words that James uses here to describe true wisdom is a response to the person who's double-minded, double-souled, divided in his heart. James, first of all, says wisdom is impartial. And the most basic meaning is to, to hold firm to the same standard at all times. Hold fast, hold firm to the same standard at all times. Reminds me, my, my youngest son Micah was playing intramural uh, softball at Kent State this fall, and he was telling me he was, he was pitching for his team, and, and every pitch he threw that looked like a strike, the umpire called it a ball. And their team started to get really frustrated <laughs> to, to the point where the catcher eventually asked the ump, said, what, what is the strike zone? <laughs> she said, I don't know. <laughs> That's probably not the best way to ump a softball game. How can you be consistent if you don't know the rules, the boundaries, the instructions? Impartiality, impartiality holds to the same standard at all times. It can actually be translated a couple different ways. To be impartial can, be, can mean being undivided and unwavering in our devotion to God. Like the, unlike the, the double-hearted, double-souled man, in other words, true wisdom is a wholehearted devotion to God. James uh, will address this later in, in James chapter 4 <clears throat> when he says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or, or hostility against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You see, an adulterous person is, is divided. Someone is going to get cheated. We can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. To be impartial is to be completely, totally aligned with God. Loyal to him through thick and thin, unwavering, not, not wishy-washy, unlike the squirrel. It's focused and undivided. And so a person who's consistent and holds to the same standard is free from prejudice. He's free from favoritism. And so this is the other way this can be translated. To be impartial is to, to not show favoritism. In other words, true wisdom doesn't take sides. Dan talked about this last week from James chapter 2. He gave the example that we're not to treat LeBron James and Leroy wannabe any differently. We're to be consistent in the way that we talk about people. We're to be consistent in the way we treat people. No matter where they land on the political, spiritual, economic, or educational scale. This is convicting because I think we, I think we make more snap judgments and assumptions about people than we realize. In fact, I think there's a part of us that enjoys passing judgment on others. Because it makes us feel more wise. It makes us feel more superior than we really are. 
For example, I, I can be extremely confident that every, every other driver on the highway is a worse driver than I am. And when someone accidentally cuts me off, I can, I can take it personally. They did that to irritate me, to slow me down. You see, we pass judgment all the time like this. We, we do it with our spouses and our kids. We do it with our coworkers and friends. We do it at the store, the restaurant, the gas station, at church. Someone gives us a strange look and we take it personally. <laughs> but the reality is they, they weren't thinking about us at all. Someone gives us poor service at the restaurant and, and we take personal offense and we make assumptions not realizing someone else didn't show up for their shift and the waitress is waiting on more tables than she can really handle. The teenager at the drive-thru takes a little longer to count our change and, and we assume our, our education system is broken. They're just not very bright. Not realizing they're having a hard time focusing because mom and dad are fighting again. We never really know. Wisdom doesn't assume and, and make judgments. And yet if we see someone with a style of dress or hair that, that we don't appreciate or don't like, it, it's not very hard to, to make judgments about their character. We look at people who make more money than, than we do and we judge them as materialistic and we look at people who make less money than we do and, and we say, well, they're just lazy. A person more overweight than us has no self-discipline. A person thinner than us, well, they're just vain. And we do this so naturally, so easily in our heads, more than we realize. We love to pass judgment on people. And the tendency can be even worse in the church. You see, we, we see the ability to see shortcomings in others as proof of our own spirituality. We, and, and we feel better or worse about ourselves by comparison. But you know what's amazing? <laughs> it's amazing how much you can grow in your faith and wisdom when you begin to get real with yourself. It's amazing what God can do in your life when, when you're not deflecting blame on someone else or measuring yourself against someone else. You see, a wholehearted devotion to God doesn't get caught up in, in measuring people's worth and value, but loves them the way they themselves have been loved by God. This is unwavering loyalty toward God that expresses itself in the next word, which is sincere. True wisdom doesn't pretend to be something it's not. Wisdom, in other words, is, is not hypocritical. And many of you might know this, but in, in the Greek theater, actors would often change parts by holding up different masks in front of their face. One person might have five or six different masks because they were playing five or six, five or six different roles in the play. Well, because of this, the actor was called a hypocrite, and, and eventually it was used to describe someone who appeared to be two-faced, who was wearing a mask, who was trying to be something that they weren't. So to be sincere without hypocrisy means what you see is what you get. When you speak, people don't have to ask, well, I wonder what he really meant. 
It describes a person who's trustworthy and, and loyal and reliable and, and transparent. Their inner values align with their, their outward actions and words. Well, there's two ways this kind of plays itself out. We've been here before when you profess a belief and then act contrary to that belief. When you profess a belief and act contrary to a belief. Isaiah 29 says this, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they've been taught. And centuries later, Jesus would use this quote as an indictment against the religious leaders of his day. Their lives were full of inconsistencies. John would write it this way, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. It goes back to being impartial and not showing favoritism. When we constantly ridicule and mock a group of people that we may disagree with, I believe we're flirting with darkness. Instead, we're to overcome evil with good, not respond with an equal share of darkness in our words, our tone, and our actions. True wisdom approaches these things in a different way, the the way of Jesus. So it becomes less of, of my snarkiness and my sarcasm and my pride and more of the compassion, the mercy, and grace of Jesus that holds hands with truth. Paul warns us, they claim to know God, but their at, by their actions, they deny him. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for doing anything good. You see, that's, that's not true wisdom that walks with God, loves what God loves, and loves others. Another type of hypocrisy is when you look down on others while, while elevating yourself. It's pride that leads us to minimize our own sins while maximizing the sins of the people around us. It's pride that leads us to make judgments about others that in turn make us feel better about ourselves. Jesus addressed this form of hypocrisy as well in Matthew 7. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I love what what Ray Tetweiler said at communion this past Tuesday. He said, "We're, we're to take inventory of our lives. That's what Jesus is talking about. We're to take inventory of our lives. But I'll add this. We need to stop taking inventory for others. Jesus is telling us not to be so prideful and convinced of our own goodness that we criticize others from a position of self-righteousness. When we hide our own flaws by drawing attention to other people's flaws, we're trying to deflect the guilt in order to avoid dealing with our own sin. This happens a lot in troubled marriages. Uh, If I complain enough about my wife, no one will realize what a heel I am. And I might even forget myself. And when we do this, we handicap wisdom because we've stunted our own ability to grow and appreciate the grace that God has lavished on us. 
the more we come to grips with our own faults, the greater we understand the depth of God's mercy. And the more we understand the depth of God's mercy in our own lives, the better we can apply it in our relationships. That's wisdom. See, hypocrisy is all about deception. It's misleading, misdirected, and false. It, it's rooted in self-centeredness. Whereas true wisdom prefers others and is not self-promoting. Can you imagine how our world would be different if we lived, uh, we lived in a way that life wasn't just about me? <laughs> but I preferred others with the goal of loving others uh, more than myself and my ways. Wisdom is sincere because it means we're living in a way that's consistent what God has called us and created us to be. Well, I just want to finish with this, one of my favorite word pictures. Our English word sincere comes from two words in Latin. And I don't know if I didn't take Latin, so I don't know if I'm saying them right, but uh, uh, sin, without, and Sarah, wax. In other words, sincere literally means without wax. Fascinating, right? What in the world does that mean? <laughs> you see, in the ancient Roman world, you, you couldn't go to the Target and just pick up some Pyrex and Rubbermaid. You had to go to the pottery shop to get that bowl or that vase or whatever it is. The problem was uh, a lot of pottery came with cracks, came with defects, it was, it was imperfect. And so to hide these imperfections and cracks, uh, the merchant would take them and he would fill those cracks and imperfections with wax. Because pottery without cracks was more expensive, it was more desirable. <laughs> and so a smart shopper would go to the pottery shop and they would hold the pottery up to the sunlight to see if it had been filled with wax, to see if it was genuine. Uh, in fact, some more uh, reputable merchants would hang a sign over their pottery that said, Sincera, without wax. And basically, he was communicating to them that their pottery was genuine without any hidden defects. I love that. <laughs> because it's such, a, it's such a powerful illustration that sums up what it means to live with consistency and true wisdom. He's saying, let your heart, your mind, your faith, your wisdom, your devotion to God, your love for people be genuine, no surprises, without wax. <laughs> Understand without hypocrisy, without wax doesn't mean without flaws because we're all flawed in some way. We're all broken in some way. But God, God deals with that brokenness. He doesn't try to hide it or, or cover it with some kind of religious tinsel. Instead, when we walk with him, he fills us with his presence and makes us useful and beautiful as we point others to Jesus. Someone has said, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the end of our perceived need to mislead. It's the end of our perceived need to mislead. In other words, we can put the wax away. Jesus already did that for us. You see, we can be genuine and sincere because Jesus took our pottery-like lives and he bought us just as we are. And he, took him, he himself took care of the de defects and fractures and flaws caused, caused by our sin. 
You see, if you've said yes to Jesus, you now belong to him. Your identity is not in, in who you try to be. Your job is not to fill in the, the gaps and, and hide. Your identity is found in who you are in Jesus. You're, you're a new creation. And there is no one more impressive nor beautiful than Jesus. True wisdom resolves to live and to love without wax. It's genuine. It's consistent. It's true. So that Jesus, so that Jesus can be seen in us. So that others will be loved by us. And will walk with God with integrity and wholeness in wisdom. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for just this picture of integrity, of consistency. And Father, thank you that you've always been consistent with us. You are faithful. Lord, uh, just living in that truth, Lord, I pray that we might live without wax, trying to, to do things on our own without being connected to the vine, without being connected to Jesus. Father, I pray that we would live lives of wisdom that are genuine, that are wholehearted and undivided in devotion to you. Father, give us undivided hearts that we might walk with you fully. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.